Well, hey, Northside family, so good to be with you. And I'm back from my study break that I do every summer and take a couple weeks, uh, take a little bit of time with my family. And then I take a couple weeks to uh, pray and listen and plan with the leadership about where God is leading us into the fall. And I know we are in crazy times, but here's the beautiful thing about God is he is always speaking. His Holy Spirit is with us and he is always guiding us into what is next. And I know every day all of us are making tough decisions and we're just having to say, God, we are here. We need your wisdom. And I want to invite you next weekend. We're going to begin a brand new series called An Unstoppable Force, the DNA of a Dangerous Church. And I know we are in times where we've never been as the life of the church before, but that doesn't mean the church hasn't been there before. And we're going to be looking at the book of Acts because they couldn't gather like we couldn't gather. And yet God broke out and did amazing things. And here's the deal. God is calling us to live in the same way that we see the early Christians in the book of Acts living. And I want to invite you to be a part of that next weekend as we kick that off. And like Sam said, we have an unbelievable, even though we can't gather on August 8th and 9th, we're going to do a night of worship. Hey, be praying for the weather. I want that to be a great time. Several people are already signing up to be baptized at that event. And uh, one, I just want to say I'm excited to see everybody. I also want to say thank you for your generosity. Like you saw in that video, it's not just about us helping one another. Man, this is about the church going into the community and meeting needs, especially during this time of COVID-19. And to see your generosity meet every single school need in our community and around the area into other counties. I just got to say, thank you. Thank you, Northside family, for trusting Jesus and walking with him. And I've loved this series over the past couple of weeks that we've been in called Echoes into Eternity. And so grateful that my dad, George, has preached a couple of weeks for us through Ecclesiastes and Job. My buddy Tim Foote came in uh, and uh, he preached through Proverbs because what we need is we need wisdom in life right now. And that's what Ecclesiastes is all about. We need wisdom when we go through a time of loss. Some of us are facing some significant loss, whether it's loss of a family member or a job or or some career opportunities. And we looked at the book of Job. And last week we looked at Proverbs and why we needed wisdom for purpose in our life. And I want to give you a heads up today, all right, parents, if you're watching with your kids, hey, I just want to let you know today we're going to be looking through a book that a lot of people don't talk about, but it's a wisdom literature book called The Song of Solomon. And it is a love poem about how two people met, one King Solomon and his wife. And uh, it's a poem, if you've never read it before, eight chapters, and it talks about their desires for one another, it talks about their attraction for one another. It talks about the marriage and honeymoon night. I mean, it's in the Bible. And the reason why it's in the Bible is because God believes that the safest place for you and I to discuss sex and singleness and marriage is in the church. This is why we trust God's word. But parents, I just want to let you know, hey, today's going to be a little bit more of a mature conversation as we look at God's word. And so maybe you got an eight-year-old, seven-year-old, and you're going, I'm not ready to kind of have this conversation. You might want to pick up this sermon a little bit later. But here's what I also know. We need to talk about this more than we do in the church. Not because we just want to talk about sex. Although that's an interesting conversation. What we need to do is this. We need to get God's wisdom on our relationships. We need God's wisdom to understand why he even gave us the gift of sex. We need God's wisdom if people are single and to go, hey, what am I supposed to do if I'm not married? And what does this look like to live a life of wisdom? We need God's wisdom so we can understand what does success even look like in marriage? 
I don't know about you, but recently, this is what I found. I'm just starting to feel this way. It's weird. It seems like everybody has an opinion about everything. You notice in that? I mean, we're not experts on a lot of things, but I'll give you my opinion and we, you know, let everybody know. And what I'm finding is we love to air out our opinions. We love to talk about what we think. Even when it comes to relationship and sex, we all have different points of views or here's what I think or here's what I believe. And and this week when I was reading our daily uh, Proverbs that were coming through our prayer text, this was in Proverbs 18. I read this last week. I thought this was fitting for us. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 18 verse 2. And this is what it says in Proverbs 18, verse two. It says, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. A fool, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding. A fool finds no pleasure in getting wisdom, but only delights in airing his opinion. Here's what I want us to understand today. That you and I, We can have an opinion, but that doesn't mean it's wisdom. Just because we have an opinion on something doesn't mean that is wisdom from God. See, this is why we want to dive into God's word. We want God to speak in. And some of you are going, well, Nate, what's the difference between wisdom and opinion? Matter of fact, we find this to, uh, to play out in the life of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 23, Jesus asked Peter this question. He says, who do you say I am? And this is where we get our confession when somebody gets baptized because we ask that person, hey, if you're gonna become a follower of Jesus, who do you say Jesus is? And he says, I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe that you are the savior. And he says, good for you. And then he says this, good, because I'm gonna go die on the cross at the hands of the Romans and then be raised again. And Peter, instead of listening to wisdom, offers his opinion and he says, never, Lord. And do you remember what Jesus said next to him? Get behind me, what? Satan. Whoa. Jesus says, listen, Peter, you're airing your opinion, but you're not listening to wisdom. How, do we can, how can we know the difference? Jesus gives it to us. You ready? He says this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 23. He says, Peter, you do not have in mind the things of God you have in mind the things of man. See, the difference between opinion and wisdom is this. Do you and I have the things of God in our mind or do we only have our opinions? This is what wisdom looks like. This is why we need to talk about sex and relationships and what does a successful marriage look like because we don't need our opinion today. We need the wisdom of God. When I was doing my internship, I got an intern uh, doing some college age ministry. And what I found was this, here were the three top questions all college kids had was this, or, or they said, hey, can we do a series about sex? And we got questions about sex or, or can we do a series about end times? That was number two, what's going on in end times. And then the third question that I got the most on my internship was this, can we have sex in the end times? And uh, here's the deal. We are never going to avoid this conversation about sex or relationships or marriage. It is always going to be with us. It doesn't matter how long we've been a Christian or how old we are. We are always going to be asking these questions because oftentimes we don't have the wisdom to find out what does it mean to be a fulfilled single person who follows Christ. Too oftentimes we look at people who might be single who are followers of Christ and feel like, oh, one day when actually Jesus is enough for them. 
or we don't have insight. Or some of us, we want our marriages to be better, but we don't have the wisdom. Some of you, you are moving into a new season. You are becoming empty nesters or you've become parents or or things have changed and you don't have wisdom right now on how to move forward in your marriage. See, Jesus today is gonna give us his wisdom. Matter of fact, this is what the Song of Solomon does. It lays out what wisdom looks like for us. And so the challenge for us today is this, to allow Jesus's wisdom to reign supreme in our life more than our opinion. Matter of fact, Jesus had these Sadducees, these people who were obsessed with their own opinions, come to challenge Jesus, and they actually found an answer they weren't expecting, and it was an answer that Jesus gives us about marriage and marriage in heaven and what the future of marriage looks like. Now, here's the deal. They didn't know that was coming. They just brought their opinion. As a matter of fact, they brought their opinion to shut down Jesus. This is why we need to listen to Jesus, because if we're not careful, our opinions will tone him out. And he's going, no, you don't need your opinion. You need my wisdom. Matter of fact, listen what it says in Mark chapter 12. These Sadducees, they came to destroy Jesus to prove that he doesn't know what he's doing. And boy, they had a rude awakening. In verse 18 of Mark chapter 12, listen what it says. It says, then the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection, that's a big clue, hang on to that. They came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and have children for his brother. Now, this is a Leverite marriage that's in the Old Testament. It's only kind of talked about twice, and it's not really even practiced, but they were bringing this opinion. They were trying to trick Jesus, and they're using the Old Testament to do that because they love the Old Testament. And he says, now there, he goes on and says this, now there were seven brothers and the first one married died without leaving any children. The second one married the widow, but he also died leaving no children. It was the same with the third. In fact, none of the seven left any children. Again, here comes this whole scenario. Last of all, the woman died too at the resurrection. Remember, these guys don't believe in the resurrection. You can see what they're trying to do with Jesus. They're trying to just get their opinion, shut Jesus down, get rid of his wisdom. At the resurrection, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, listen, we got to listen. Are you not an heir because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God? Whoa. oh When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Now about the dead rising, have you not read in the book of Moses in the account of the bush how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. Boom, mic drop. Can you imagine just the crowd? I wish we had iPhones in, man. The memes coming out of this, all you would have heard is the crowd going, whoa, snap, Jesus. Ah! And, the, and this, the Sadducees standing there going, maybe we're not that wise. See, here's what happens. When we start trusting our opinion instead of God's wisdom, we miss everything that God has for us. We miss everything. This is why Jesus begins to introduce. Matter of fact, the reason why I'm sharing this scripture is the only way for us to understand Song of Solomon and even all of the Old Testament is through Jesus. 
All of the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. All of the wisdom literature that we find in the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes, Job, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, everything is found in its fulfillment in Jesus. What Jesus is saying here is the future kingdom with him in heaven, that Jesus is greater than sex or marriage. Matter of fact, this is why we don't understand sex or marriage well is because we have not taken the time to understand Jesus. And if you want to understand how you can have a great marriage, if you want to understand how you can thrive as a single person who follows Christ, you need to understand Jesus. Because Jesus' wisdom is greater than any of our opinions. Jesus' wisdom comes in and it challenges us. Now, some of you are going, Nate, no sex in heaven. That sounds like hell. I don't want to go there. I love how Eugene Peterson translates this passage in, in the message translation. He says this. He says that Jesus is saying all of our ecstasies and intimacies will then be with God. That every desire for pleasure, anything that you have experienced on this earth, when you are in heaven and the new creation with God, it will be better than anything you've experienced on this earth. Because you will be with Jesus. And Jesus is greater than sex. He's the creator of it. He is the one who holds wisdom on it. I love how one pastor said, when I was reading, preparing, it said this, God has a patent on pleasure. God created it. God knows it. God gifted it. He has wisdom for how it's used. And here's what happens. When we begin to understand this wisdom, it challenges the way we look at things. It challenges and redefines the status that we put on single people. Matter of fact, over the past couple of weeks, I took the time and I talked to some people who are on our staff who are single. And this is what, I, and I said, hey, I'm gonna talk on marriage, but here's the deal. I don't wanna talk on marriage and absolutely neglect people who are single in the congregation and in the family of God. And I love the feedback I got. One of our staff said this to me. They said, Nate, here's the mistake. She, she literally said this. Every sermon I've heard about marriage, it's either about how to prepare for marriage or how to stay married. And here I am, a single person going, so there's nothing for me today? I went, come on, help me, help me. She went on to say this. Nate, here's what people forget in the church, that just because I'm single doesn't mean I want to be. So don't put the title single on me and think I'm trying to live my life by that. I am wanting to live my life by Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is doing in this passage. He puts marriage in its place. See, the goal for us in this world and in the church is not to become married. That's not, that, that is not the goal. You know what our goal is as followers of Jesus? Not marriage, maturity. You know what's gonna happen in your life when you get married? you're gonna recognize all your faults. And you know why? Because your spouse is gonna tell you. They're gonna let you know, hey, let me bring this up to you. And you're gonna have to learn how to walk through conflict and see God gives marriage not as the goal, but as a tool in a way for you to grow in maturity. But it is not the goal. Not only that, this is what we find about Jesus. Because of his grace and his mercy, you know what he does? Because some of us today, we're going, oh man, I, I wanna get married, but I've got so much baggage. 
and I'm afraid about dating, or man, I've got these things going on, or maybe you are married, but you are not honest and transparent with what's going on in your life. And you know what we find the wisdom of Jesus doing in our life? Oftentimes we live married by our own opinions, not by the wisdom of Jesus. And so we repress it, we hold things back and we don't open things up. And so we don't have unity and we don't have trust and we don't have love and we don't have joy and we don't have peace because we don't have the wisdom of God in our marriage. And you know what Jesus does in this passage here? He redefines this and says, I want to free you from all of your sexual sin in the past. And I wanna give you a new way to live. You don't need to be defined by your past. I have a new way forward. So here's the problem when we live by our opinions about sex or marriage or any of this stuff, we feel like our opinion of what it is is the only thing going on in the world. And can we just be honest for a moment? This is what the church is to be, right? We're to proclaim truth in grace, with love, for God's glory. Can I just be honest? It is becoming more and more apparent about the darkness of the sexual way that Satan is using that to destroy and to divide our culture and our world. I don't know if this is disturbing or a stat that you know of is this. Do you know that the largest uh, amount of people who are in slavery today are in the sex industry? Over 27 million people are sold as sex slaves today. 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 We see the sexual darkness all over the place. And see, a lot of times, this is how Satan wants us to live. Just live by your opinion and your view of sex. Just don't understand the wisdom of God. See, that's how darkness flourishes. We all just have our own opinions. We all just do what we want to do. And Jesus says, you do not have the things of God in mind. You have the things of men. And see, here's the beauty of Jesus. Jesus wants you and I to become wise today. This is what this series is, echo into eternity. He wants the decisions and the way that we live today to echo into eternity, to shape our friendships, to shape if God gives us an opportunity to have a family, to shape our marriage, to let wisdom be the bedrock. This is what Song of Solomon is all about. If you've ever read it, I wanna encourage you to read it. It's only eight chapters. And you know, sometimes we go, well, how risque can it be? Man, it is incredible. It's the story of a couple, their attraction to one another. It talks about their dating. It talks about their desire. It talks about the honeymoon night we're going to look at. It talks about when conflict comes in. And then it talks about till death do us part. See, that's what relationships are. Sometimes in the world we hear stuff like this. If you hit conflict or you hit a hard button or you kind of, we say stuff like this. It feels like I've just fallen out of love with them. And this is what we say to that. Well, you just weren't in love then. See, that's our opinion. That's not God's wisdom. Matter of fact, what I find fascinating, pretty funny is I was reading Song of Solomon because it has all this poetry language. It, there's some funny lines in here, like uh, Song of Songs, uh, chapter four, verse two, it says this, you know, here uh, the man, this is uh, Solomon talking about his bride, his you know, soon to be wife. And he says, your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn, coming up from the washing each has its twin, not one of them is alone. Can you hear the Barry White in the background? Yeah, baby. Look at them teeth. You've got them all and they're white. 
kind of some funny language, man. I'm cracking up going, all right, man, maybe, uh, maybe up your game a little bit than just talking about her teeth, my man. But this is what's so great. You hear these stories and you hear the desires because here's what a lot of us, sometimes we feel bad if we have desires. We feel bad. We're like, oh, don't, don't, you know, don't have desire. No, 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 no. Desire is something God has put in us. But listen what God calls us to do with our desires. He goes, don't live by your opinion. Live by God's wisdom. And listen to what it says in the Song of Songs gives us this wisdom. Chapter two, listen what it says here in verse four through seven. It says, he, and this is the woman, he has taken me to the banquet hall and his banner over me is love. Strengthen me with raisins, refresh me with apples for I am faint with love. Those are aphrodisiacs. She's like, let's get this thing going. His left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. Hello. But then listen what it says in verse seven. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field. Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Three times throughout this book, it says that phrase, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Meaning this, don't begin to engage with sex until God has his plan laid out in your life, which is in marriage. The writer is saying, I'm telling you, and this is what the writer is saying, don't do this because you know why? Sex is intoxicating. It's intoxicating. This is why people say stuff like this, man, I, I, I don't know what happened. I felt like I was somewhere else. I, I lost my mind. I know the reason why is because God says, I made it that way. I made it so that when you experience sex the way that I've designed it, I want you to lose your mind. But do not arouse or awaken love until it's time. Don't do this until the desire of God and his wisdom is in your life. Matter of fact, Proverbs chapter seven, verse 18, it talks about this adulterous woman who seduces this man because her husband's gone. And she says this in Proverbs chapter seven, verse 18 says, come, let us drink deep of love till morning. Let us enjoy ourselves with love. Let us just lose ourselves." I was listening to a guy talk and he said this, he goes, we've always heard it's dangerous to drink and drive. And he said, you know what else? He said, it's dangerous to do drunk dating. And here's why. Drunk dating always leads to a relationship hangover. When we build our relationships purely on sex, purely on lust, just on pleasure, our opinions, not the wisdom of God, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time before the consequences come, before the regret comes. Matter of fact, if you keep reading on in Proverbs chapter seven, in verse 22 and 23, it talks about what happened. It says this guy ended up like an ox led to the slaughter. And then it said this, and it cost him his life. See, in the moment, this is what Satan does. In the moment, he wants us to lose ourselves. The only problem is this, Satan never tells us in the moment all of the consequences that will be coming our way all of the regret, all of the shame. See, this is what we need to understand about this literature. If we're gonna live by the wisdom of God, not our opinion in, in relationships, 
It's this, the Bible doesn't say there's a line. We always talk about the, what's the line in a relationship? How far is too far? You need to understand the Bible doesn't talk about a line. What it talks about is a time. It's not about how far is too far or this or that. The Bible doesn't address that. All it talks about is this, don't awaken love until it so desires. Don't begin to engage in this until it's right. It's not about a line, it's about God's time. And so in the middle of that, we've got to follow. Matter of fact, some of you are going, oh man, it always feels like God's taking the fun away from me. No, no, no. Here's what you need to know. God's not trying to keep fun from you. You know what God's trying to do? He wants to give you his best. He wants to be for you. This is why Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 18. You know what's funny is this, the two people who talk about marriage the most are two single guys, Jesus and the apostle Paul. Well, how is two single guys speak the most about marriage when they weren't married? You know why? Because they're not talking about their opinion. They're talking about the wisdom of God. How can you and I offer wisdom to other people? If we, if I, well, I haven't been married for 30 years. You don't need experience. You don't need your opinion. You need the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. And here's why. Not because God doesn't want us to have any fun. He created sex. He created the idea of marriage. This is why. Because all other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. And you know what that word body actually means there? Soul. You know why God doesn't want you to have sex before you're married? Not so he could be a killjoy. He's going, I don't want your soul to be torn apart. I don't want you to take a bunch of regret into the future. And have you realized we always carry our past into the future? Not just sexually, our failures. Everything. We always take our past and we're always having to process. This is, why, this is why Paul writes these words. He goes, hey, flee from it. Because here's what happens. When you sin sexually, it's not just that it's a, a more punishable sin. It's a different consequence of sin. You don't just sin outwardly, man. It sins and the consequences are against your soul. I know I've heard the philosopher and rapper 50 Cent say this. I'm only into having sex, not making love. Now, I'm sorry, Fiddy, but that isn't biblical, nor is it true. That's just your opinion. That's not God's wisdom. Because this is what we know. Sex isn't just physical. Sex is spiritual. There's a glue that happens. There's a uniting of souls that happens. This is why this is why we would never, ever, ever tell a survivor of sexual abuse or rape, hey, get over it. It was just physical. Well, why is that true? Why is it true that we would never tell them that? Because we know that act of sex wasn't just physical. See, our souls our well-being, are involved in sex. See, God made sex to bring us together, to unite our souls. This is why he's saying it's not about a line, it's about the time. 
It is about the time that God has. And this is why we gotta be careful to not make marriage and sex our goal, but the wisdom of God our goal, because there's times when we want to engage it and God is not bringing it our way and we're all going, no God, it's not my opinion, it is your way. I remember when I was engaged one time, it was just like a month or two before our married day, we, uh, Ruthie and I, uh, we've been married over 13 years. And I think it was about January, February, we're two months out and I was preaching in a youth ministry in Illinois and she drove through a snowstorm to surprise me. Here we are about a month and a half out and I had bought a house and she, there was a knock at the door. It's like nine o'clock and I'm like, what in the world? I was preaching the next morning and she's just there at the door. She's like, surprise. I wanted to surprise you because she was living back here. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I had the fireplace going. There's a blizzard outside. The Christmas music, baby, it's cold outside. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting married in a month and a half. Trust me, I had an opinion. It was not God's wisdom. And I called my boss, Drew. I said, Drew, you gotta help me out, my man. Ruthie just surprised me. I gotta get out of here. He goes, dude, you guys come on over here. She had already lined up with our senior pastor. She was staying over there. She was just coming to hang out. And I just knew myself. I gotta get out of here. Because my opinion is no match for God's wisdom. My opinion would have led me to regret, shame. Thankfully, Drew and Lane Moore invited us over to their house. Ate dinner, played cards, hung out, dropped Ruthie off, and I went home. See, sometimes wisdom doesn't always meet what we want in life, but it is what we need in life. This is the beauty of God's word. See, what we find also in Song of Solomon is this. It doesn't just say, don't awaken or arouse love until it so desires, until it's time. What it says this is when God opens that door and God begins to bring the two to one and you've coveted in a marriage relationship, what he's saying is this, keep awakening love. Keep awakening this thing. Sometimes this is what happens when people get married this is not every situation, but I've talked with people about this. Sometimes they've been intimate before marriage and then they say, we got married and now intimacy stopped. And what God is saying is this, he's going, because I've designed it so that when you are together, this is an unbelievable new experience and keep awakening this. Listen to what it says about love in chapter eight, verses six, six through seven. It says this, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm for love is as strong as death. It is, it's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. What they're saying is this, man, love is lethal. There is nothing like it. See, this is why in relationships, people, they're not jealous of their spouse. Somebody might be, but they are jealous for them. I don't want you talking with them because what we're really saying is this. I want you talking with me. I want, I want, I want you to give attention to me. I'm jealous for you. If you're in a relationship, quick test. See how much trust is in your relationship. See if your partner that either you're dating or married to will give you their password on their iPhone. 
See, if you can't trust each other with phones, how are you really trusting each other with your hearts? See, love, the way that God intended it, it's like fire. Put it in the fireplace. Woo, that's nice. Your house on fire? That ain't nice. See, we got to let love and sex and marriage not be controlled by our opinion, but by God's wisdom. Because it is what is best for our souls. It is what we need. And here's the deal. All of us, all of us have a choice with what we do with love. Here's what's sad about this story. Song of Solomon, unbelievable story about relationship. And it ends, they've worked through conflict. They're gonna go, they're gonna go after life together. But here's the thing, just because you have a wedding day doesn't guarantee you're gonna finish well if you get married. Because what we find in scripture is this, Solomon, who this is about, at the end of his life, chose opinion, not wisdom. He chose opinion. Listen to what it says about him in 1 Kings chapter 11. It said, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidians, Hittites, They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, here's God's wisdom. You must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. God's going, my wisdom is to protect your heart. My wisdom is for you. Don't think I'm keeping you from something. I'm keeping your heart for your good. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives. What were you thinking? See, that's what opinion does. You know what would be good? 700 wives. He had 700 wives from royal birth and 300 concubines and his his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. God's going... Solomon, it's not because I don't want you to have fun in life. It's because I made you for something bigger than sex. I made you for something bigger than marriage. Solomon, I made you for me. Wisest man on the face of the earth. And he ends up out of pride, choosing his opinion, not God's wisdom. See, you and I, we have a choice today. We have a choice today. And the choice is, are we living by our opinion or God's wisdom? Our opinion or God's wisdom? And what God is saying today is this, I want you to exchange your opinion for my wisdom. I want you to begin to to trust me. Some of you are going, Nate, woo, I'm too far gone. I mean, I'm watching this. I'm paying attention. I'm nodding. I'm going, yeah, amen. But you really, in your heart and in your mind, you're going, Nate, if you knew my sexual past, Nate, if you knew how I really was, Nate, if you knew my addictions, Nate, if you knew this, too far gone. No, 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 no. That is your opinion. That is not the wisdom of God. You know how you and I get to choose wisdom? God is saying, I want you to choose wisdom because here's the deal. Wisdom chose you. 
God is choosing you. God sent Jesus after you. He's saying, I want you in. You are not too far gone. Yes, acknowledge the path. Matter of fact, look what it says in 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 11 through 12. You hear about the consequences. So it says, so the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you, I most certainly will tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. But nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hands of your son. See, this is why wisdom is saying, I want you to choose me. This is why God is saying, I want you to choose this because there is forgiveness. But here's the deal. You and I, when we mess up through all of this stuff, that we don't get to choose our consequences. This is why God's saying, I want you to choose me. And here's the beautiful thing about God. You and I get to choose wisdom because wisdom, Jesus, has chosen you to lead that life, to lead that opinion, to lead that way, and to begin to experience the wisdom and the grace and the beauty of God to begin to delight in everything. Listen what Paul says, a single man who wrote over half of the New Testament, planted churches all over the world, single. Some people go, well, maybe one day, Paul. Paul's going, one day? He even later on goes, man, I wish y'all were like me. And I'm going all over the world, man. I'm telling everybody about Jesus. I got no strings holding me back. I just gonna be all in. And listen to what he says in Galatians chapter 2.20, because he's not listening to his opinion. He is listening to the wisdom of God. Listen to what it says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He doesn't go, I am just too far gone. He used to murder people in the name of God. He goes, no, 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 no. Not what I think about myself. Not what I've done in the past is what defines me. Yes, I used to do that. Yes, that's what I used to be known by. But Christ lives in me. Me, and then he says this. So the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Who loved me and gave himself for me. God's not asking you and I to just stop our bad habits and we'll see you next Saturday or Sunday and see how you're doing. God is saying, I want you to choose me because I've chosen you. Paul finally got that. Oh, I don't have to live by the opinions of myself. I don't have to live by the opinions of other people. I don't have to live by the standards of the world. I don't have to live by whatever culture is saying about sex or marriage or singleness or this or that. I don't have to live by that. I get to live life by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Today, is that how you view yourself? Is that the label that you put on yourself? That you live by faith in the one who loves you and gave himself for you. See, this is how wisdom changes our life. It's not you and I are we smart. It's about allowing the one who has wisdom that we don't have into our lives. Because you know what this wisdom does? This wisdom is what help breaks the habits of our life. 
Jesus is our wisdom. He is the one who frees us. He's the one who moves us forward. Yes, we can, we'll never just forgive and forget or not think about all the things we've done in the past, but he's going, but Nate, whatever your name is right now, he's going, I know your name and here's what I have for you. I have a way forward because I have a wisdom that you don't have and it's greater than any opinion. My encouragement for you today is this, choose wisdom. The Sadducees in that moment, Mark chapter 12, they had a choice. Am I gonna choose my opinion or am I gonna choose wisdom? Solomon has a book written about his relationship and yet at the end of the life, he chose an opinion, not wisdom. And yet here it was, Paul, a single man with a past, who chose wisdom and not the opinion. And his life changed forever. You want your marriage to change? Choose wisdom. You wanna be whole right now in the life of being single, even though you wanna be married? Choose wisdom. Choose wisdom. What I wanna do right now is I ask Sam to just come and sing the words from reckless love again for us. And to sing just over us. And I want to invite you right now. I don't know who you're with watching this. Man, if you're with your spouse, I'm going to invite you just to maybe put an arm around one another. Maybe during this whole pandemic, man, there's some stuff that has come up. Choose wisdom in this moment. If you got your kids with you, man, grab them close. This passage has made me pray more intently for my kids to choose wisdom rather than their opinion in the future. And man, God has called us to be a church. He has given us Jesus so that we can choose wisdom. So right now, just hold each other tight. Let the forgiveness process begin because wisdom's here. Let this song just, we're just gonna sing just a few verses over it, over you. Let wisdom speak to you right now. Then I'll come back and I'll wrap this up. No matter how much your opinion weighs on you, the wisdom of God keeps coming after you. And his name is Jesus. And he's relentless and he's reckless with his love. And he picks up the pieces and he holds us together. No matter how bad you've been hurt, no matter how bad you've hurt somebody else, it is the wisdom and the presence of Jesus and Him alone that can redeem and restore all things. One of my favorite phrases is this, speaking of wisdom and purpose, sometimes we use this phrase, everything happens for a reason. When really the truth is this, God can redeem anything. The wisdom of God can redeem us. It is what changes us and moves us forward. And my prayer today, church, for us as a church family, not that this is just a moment, but this is the beginning of a conversation over and over again about you and I choosing the wisdom more than our opinions in life. As a matter of fact, right now I'm going to pray for us. And then after this, I'm going to invite you, whether you're by yourself or maybe there's two or three, you got your family together. We're just going to put three questions up on the screen. 
And I'm gonna invite you to begin to talk about this together. Because see, we don't just choose wisdom by ourselves. We choose wisdom together. And we experience the glory and the redemptive presence of God when we do. So let me pray for us right now. And then I hope you have a conversation over these three questions. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you. God, I just thank you that, Lord, I know there's questions that all of us have. God, there's desires that all of us have. There's frustrations, there's hurts, there's fears. And yet, Jesus, your word meets us right where we are every time. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus, that Jesus, you are timeless. And in a time right now, that it is easier than ever before to just trust our own opinion or to hear the opinions of everybody else. God, I ask that you would help our hearts and our ears to hear your wisdom more than anything else. Because God, you're speaking, your word is alive and active. Father, I pray for healing within our church. God, for those who have been abused, that God, your healing hand would come into the life. Father, I pray that we would have deep compassion with our care groups. That, Father, we would rush in to speak life and hope over others. Father, I pray for those who find themselves in a season right now where they're single. God, I pray that we would see them, we would know them, we would not discount them because, God, you don't. You have completed them. And so, Father, would you give us eyes to see people who aren't married in our church and in the world and this and not look at them as incomplete, but look at them as beautiful creation of you, made by you, for you, gifted by you to change the world through you. And Father, for the marriages in our church and in our community, God, we don't know how to be married. We just need to know you. And so, Father, would you light a fire in the marriages? Father, not for the sake of marriage, but for your maturity, for your work in our lives. Father, we need a purpose bigger than ourselves. So, Lord, would you awaken your church? Would you call us back to you? And, Father, would you help us to listen and walk in wisdom today? Lord, we love you. We can't do this without you, so we're not even going to get a try. Protect us, guide us, help us today. And it's in your name that we pray, amen. Let's take some time and unpack these questions together right now.